Good morning. Is there something happening today that I should know about? You know, I know something about family dynamics because uh, I grew up in a family with ten kids. I was number two. That was back in the day, you know, pre-Dobson days when uh, fathers weren't as kind and gentle as we are today. And we could take a vote, and it would be 11 to 1, and my dad would win. (laughs) When we have a family reunion, there's like uh, over 100 of us. But uh, when you have a family reunion and you all get together, uh, something weird sometimes happens. You know, the dysfunctions that you had as kids, they kind of show up. And sometimes it's not easy. And uh, families don't always get along. In fact, it's a lot easier sometimes to get along with strangers than your own family, right? I mean, like I have a brother who keeps the Levitical law. And, and I remember these conversations. We, you know, there's four MDivs in the family. So we're sitting around talking about this, and I just had to walk away from the conversation because he knew better than all of us. And it's like, what, what about grace do you not get? It's family. We're family, and we've got our issues, right? And we want to resolve them. I want to invite you to, uh, if you want to, to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Otherwise, I believe the text will be on the screen. Uh, In my Bible, this is titled, this section, Unity in the Body of Christ. I'm sitting down here because I just want to have a family conversation. I'm not preaching. I'm just having a conversation today. Paul writes, as a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle Bearing with one another, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every possible urgent effort. That's really what the Greek says there. It is. To keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is how many bodies? There is how many spirits? There is how many hopes? There are how many lords? How many faiths? How many baptisms? How many gods and fathers of all? Do you see any common themes in there? Live a life worthy of the calling you've received. What do you think Paul's talking about? Well, I'll give you a deep theological biblical truth. Chapter 4 comes after chapters 1, 
2, and 3. And chapter 4 is referring back to chapters 1, 2, and 3. Ephesians is one of my favorite books in the New Testament. In fact, my two life verses are both in Ephesians. Ephesians 2.10, we were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which He prepared in advance for us to do. We have a calling. And Ephesians 4.11 and 12, uh, that we are to equip people to live out that calling. Now, we may think of ourselves as fairly ordinary people. I'm kind of an ordinary, simple guy. But let me tell you some of the things about you and I if we know Jesus. And these are from chapters 1, 2, and 3. We have been blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He chose us before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless. We have redemption through His blood and the forgiveness of sins. God's grace has been lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. We exist for the praise of His glory. We are marked in Him with the Holy Spirit. God has, get this, when God looks at us, it says, God has raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him. Think about that. In Jesus, we are seated next to Christ in heaven. That's what it says, even now. We are God's workmanship created for for good works. We are being built together, together as a body, to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. That's who we are. We need to be reminded of that on some days when we don't feel that way. We are to live a life worthy of the calling we've received. That, I mean, that's, that's, that's an amazing calling. What is the definition for Paul of a life worthy of our calling? Paul says there are two parts to that definition. He says it has to do with our relationships with one another and with our unity as a body. Let's talk about our relationships and our calling. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Starts with humility. You know, uh, in I, how many of you were in the ABFs when I shared? I shared with some of you that I thought we had a problem of spiritual pride. 
in our church. And I feel like I can say our church because I've talked to like over a hundred of you uh, and I've spent four months working with you. I got a lot of pushback. We're not, we don't have spiritual pride. You know what the sign of spiritual pride is? Just say it. And another sign is conflict, because conflict usually arises because we need our own way, we want our own way, and we raise our preferences to non-negotiables. Talk to a lot of people, and a lot of us want our own way. There is pride. We all suffer from pride. All we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has gone what? His own way. That is the definition of pride. It's autonomy from God. It's wanting to do our thing. I suffer. You suffer. It's a universal condition. Humility means that we are willing to place our preferences above, uh, place unity in the church above our preferences. That we care more about looking and living like Jesus than getting our own way. Humility is understanding that we have a few strengths that God gave us, and you know what? Everything else is a weakness. And if everything else is a weakness, what do we need? Talk to me. We need each other, don't we? We need each other. I tell people I'm good at three things. And I, uh, I won't tell you what I usually say because this is church, but, uh, well, are we family here? Well, I won't do it. I'm bad at everything else. I need other people. And then there's this thing called gentleness. You know why we get into relational difficulty? We say things we shouldn't say in a way we shouldn't say them. It's said about Jesus in Isaiah that the bruised reed he will not break. Think about that. A a stalk of wheat that's bruised. Jesus is so gentle that he will not break it. I want you to think about how gentle and kind Jesus is to you. I mean, I think about who I am and my brokenness and my sin and I blow it every day, and Jesus doesn't hammer me. And when he speaks to me, he speaks words of grace and love and wisdom. I mean, Ephesians goes on to say, don't... I had to learn this as a kid before I got my allowance, probably because I had brothers and sisters I didn't get along with all the time. But don't let anything come out of your mouth that doesn't build others up. Patience. We have patience with ourselves, but we often don't have patience with each other. 
and then bearing with one another in love. What does that mean? You ever met a quirky person? We're all quirky. We all are quirky. And some people, it's harder for us to get along with with others, right, than others. And some people have a hard time getting along with me. I know it's hard to believe, but Marianne can tell you that. Bearing with one another in love means that we are willing to put up with the quirkiness and the preferences and the issues that others have. And guess what? Jesus does it every day with us. Would you like to be part of a church that is characterized by humility, gentleness, patience, and bearing with one another in love? Do you think that that's the kind of church that would attract others to come? I mean, the biggest knock on the church is that people come and they see we don't get along with each other. There's bitterness and unforgiveness and unkind words and feuds, family feuds, you know? John 10.10 has become a very important verse for me. It says that the thief or the evil one comes to steal, kill, and destroy but I come to give life and life abundant. The evil one wants to destroy this congregation. He wants to get in the way of relationships. He wants people to hold grudges. In fact, let me point something out from that verse. In every conversation we have, in every relationship we have, in every interaction we have, in every decision we make, we either join the evil one in diminishing life, or we join Jesus in giving life. That's the truth. Anything that diminishes others is from the evil one. And anything that builds others up is from Jesus. Anytime we label people as something other than good, that's joining the evil one. Live up to the calling you have received in your relationships. Last night was a holy moment as people came and laid at the cross things that they wanted to give up because they weren't from Jesus. We need to do that as a congregation. Paul goes on to say that we talk about our unity and our calling. He says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And then he talks about one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. 
And as I said, as I was reading it, when he says make every effort, that is a verb that's very hard to translate from the Greek into English because it has this sense of urgency and importance. And it, it has the sense, do it now. Do it now. My observation is that we have three different congregations at Wyzetta. We have the Navigators on up, we have the Koinonia age group, and then we got, you know, the youngsters. At least they're youngsters to me. Those three congregations are not three separate groups of people. We are one. And we need each other. And we need one another's perspectives. And we cannot exclude anybody from the body. We are one. And we cannot cause division in the body. We are one. He talks about one Lord. Every one of us who knows Jesus came to the cross at some point in our lives and we laid it all down. Right? We surrendered. The problem is we need to surrender every day. We hold on to our preferences. We hold on to our position. We hold on to those things we don't forgive. We hold on, and Jesus just wants us to open our hands and give it to him. As I will share in a little while, one of the issues in our church is around the Holy Spirit. How many spirits are there? You know, we're individuals. I relate to God differently than Mary Ann, my wife, who's here today. She's my better half. If you don't like what I say, go talk to her. She's nice. Would I ever say to Mary Ann, you can't relate to God as he reveals himself to you? If I did, who do I have to answer to? We're doing that at Wyzetta Free. One Spirit, one Lord, one faith, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. You see, living up to the calling we have received is all about healthy relationships and healthy unity, and you cannot have one without the other. You know, it's interesting that Paul starts this with the phrase, as a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you to live up to the calling you have received. Paul's sitting in a jail. Jails back then uh, make jails today look like the Hilton Hotel. They were bad places. Why was Paul there? He was there because he was willing to pay the price for his commitment 
because of all the things God had given him. So here's the question I'm going to ask this morning and this afternoon. What price will we pay for the commitment God calls us to live up to? Are we willing, in humility, to give up our preferences for the greater good of the body and to live with one another with patience and forbearance and humility? Because that's who Jesus has called us to be. There aren't two, there aren't three. There's one Lord, one faith, one Father, one baptism. Let's pray. Lord, have mercy on us as a church. And as your called, redeemed, chosen, forgiven people who have been given the incomparable riches of life in Christ. You've been so patient. You've been so gentle and loving with us. You gave your life so that we could have peace with you and one another. And yet we have not always followed your example. Would you forgive us? Would you have mercy upon us? Would you give us your heart? Would you renew our church? We pray you would, Lord, have mercy upon us. Amen.